Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to part four of our series, Growing Pains. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Come on, welcome to church. So glad I can see you all now. You guys doing all right? We're in a series right now called Growing Pains. Anyone, anyone been here at all for the series? A few people. Uh, if you haven't been here, everything's online. Uh, and in this series, what we're trying to do is grow. Simple as that. We're trying to grow. And man, last week we had, I think, a challenging message. And I don't want to challenge us again today, uh, but I think I need to. And the reason being is I don't want to challenge us, but I do want us to be healed. And I think that in order for us to be healed, a lot of times we've got to stretch to a place that is uncomfortable. And so we were in James chapter 3 last week. Uh, we're going to be in James chapter 4 today. Just picking up right where we left off last week. James 4 verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire what you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I want to call our message today, it's a question, what do you want? What do you want? I need you to, before you sit down, turn to the person next to you, beside you, behind you, just say, hey, what do you want? You guys can find a seat this morning. If you're in a relationship, you've probably asked your partner that like five times this week. What do you want? What do you want? Come on, is there anyone excited to be in church today? My name is Harrison, and if we have not had the pleasure of meeting yet, uh, I'm just so glad you're here. I just, if I don't know you, I love you anyways, and I'm just so glad that you could be here. Uh, as I said, uh, we're going we're gonna to tr- stretch and be challenged today in our text. Hopefully already is kind of bringing us to that place. Uh, so one thing that is cool uh, about having children is there is always that phase and that age where they begin to speak, where they begin to talk. And one thing, uh, it's cool as a parent when your kid starts to talk, it's cute, all of these things. Um, And I've realized a couple things about this time in life. Number one, uh, every parent believes their kid is more advanced than they actually are. Like every parent you ever talked to is like, yeah, he's pretty advanced for his age. (laughs) He's he's the best. Uh, And for those parents that are self-aware, you'll probably also get to the place where you realize that no one actually knows what they're saying except for you. Uh, They're your kids, and so you realize, like, I actually speak a very special language, which is specific to them. So our son Judah, uh, he's turning two next month, which is really cool. And so he's in that stage where he's starting to talk. And uh, (laughs) I've realized that, like, Christy and I, we can kind of understand what he's saying, uh, but I'm also self-aware enough to realize that if you're not around him for a long time, you might have no clue what he's actually saying. And I'm aware of that because there are times when I don't even know what he's saying. 
And so last, uh, I think it was last week, uh, we were in the kitchen. It was Christy, myself, the girls, were in, and Malachi were somewhere else. It was just us and Judah in the kitchen. Um, and, and Judah started to ask for something. And a lot of times, like, you know, we'll, we'll go by the, the first syllable to try to understand what he's saying. Um, but he started to, to ask for something, and we had no clue what he was saying. And what happened is that uh, Judah just became increasingly more agitated uh, as we had no clue what he was saying. We were like, Judah, point. Like, like show us. Because he's just like, and, and he's also doing this thing where, like, he's hard to understand uh, to begin with, but he's doing this thing where when he talks now, he sticks his tongue out. I'm always like, boy, put that tongue in your mouth. Because they go like, dad, dad, dad. And I'm like, I... and so he's in the kitchen, tongue out, and get, getting increasingly agitated because we have no idea what he is asking for. And so over and over again, Christy and I just began to say, Judah, what do you want? What do you want? And, and it's funny because I was thinking about this story this last week, and it brought me back to a time when we, we just had our girls. The girls were babies, and like babies, they were crying. Um, and Christy said, I can't wait uh, till they're older because like, once kids are older, then they can tell you exactly what they want. Then it'll be so easy. Um, now, our, our girls are toddlers, and they can speak English. They don't always know what they want. And I've realized, because like I got a whole bunch of languages in our house right now. We got baby, we got whatever Judah is, the older baby, <laughs> and toddler. Um, we also got adults. And what I've realized is common among every age group, no matter what language you speak, all of us struggle to truly understand what we actually want. Come on, somebody. And here's what I've realized, and here's what I want to dig into today. I want to talk today all about conflict. And one of the things I've realized about why conflict is hard and why conflict escalates in work, in relationships, family, friends, wherever it is, one of the reasons that conflict is so hard is that most of us don't actually know what we want. So we are in week four of a series called Growing Pains, and if you've been with us, we're stretching and we're growing. And we have one big unifying thought for this series. It is this. Growth is good and growth is painful. It's good to grow, but sometimes growth hurts. And if I'm growing, there's always supposed to be a little bit of tension. So today, the direction I believe the Lord is bringing us is how can we get better at conflict? Here's the truth. Every single person in this room, if you have breath in your lungs and are in human relationships, you will experience conflict. Some of you guys experienced conflict on the way to church today as you were driving. <laughs> like to live is to experience conflict. To be in relationship is to experience conflict. And if you've never experienced conflict, that means you don't have any relationships. And if you have zero relationships, man, go to kingdomchurch.ca slash cruise and... <laughs> We just so badly want people in your life that you can get in conflict with. That's, that's really what we want. Um, but to be human is, is to enter into conflict. And I, I would wager to guess, uh, and maybe, hey, let's be, let's be open, transparent, all those things. How many in this room, you like conflict? Okay, a couple, couple people. Um, the psychopaths. Uh, now, for the rest of us, uh, I'm just joking, kind of. Uh, 
how many guys would say, like, you don't enjoy conflict? Like, it's not something that, that, you, that you like. Now, uh, my goal today <laughs> is not to get us to enjoy conflict. I don't, I don't think that we need to enjoy it. Um, but I do want us to get to a place where we can begin to do conflict better, where we can at least do it well, where we don't have to dread it, um, and we certainly don't have to run away from it, uh, but we can actually begin to do it better. Uh, because most of us probably have a tendency for those of us that don't like conflict, what do we do? We avoid it. Um, and for a lot of us, if we're okay with conflict, for the few of us that like conflict, um, we don't always do it well. So we either avoid it or a lot of us, we just don't do it well. Um, and what I know is conflict done poorly or conflict avoided both lead to just more conflict. But what I also believe is conflict done well and that's, that's where I want us to get today, can actually lead to healing and to God being glorified. I think conflict is always an opportunity for healing and for God to be glorified. And so I kind, I kind of want to just put this thought in our, in our brains today, especially for those of us that are in conflict, don't like conflict, whatever it is. What if even in this conflict, whatever your conflict, God wanted to teach you something? What if in this conflict, God wanted to teach me something? So you guys ready? Come on, notebooks out today, because I got, I'm just, I'm reading John Maxwell lately, so I think that's why, like, I'm more organized than usual, because he's the list master. Uh, so once again, if you like lists, I got a great, Kevin, Kevin's smiling in the back, he's extremely happy. Um, I got three things for us today, three ways that we can do conflict better. So it's going to be super practical uh, today. We're going to be in the book of James, and if you're with us last week, you will know uh, James chapter 3, uh, we talked about bitterness, right? We said a bitter root produces bitter fruit. Uh, uh, just, you know, pursue forgiveness, all of these things. And it, it finished where it said peace makers sow uh, in peace and they produce righteousness. Now, uh, James, I told you guys, is probably one of the most challenging books in all of scripture. And so James 3 finishes on bitterness, unforgiveness, just some small topics. Uh, and then right away, no breath. <laughs> it's like sow in peace, get better then shifts to conflict. That's where we are today. Uh, James 4. So, Kels, put it on for one second. I was going to change this. I didn't. So, question. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Take it away now. That's the question. What causes fights and quarrels among you? I don't want us to read it because sometimes you read the next part and your brain gets going. Just stop. What causes ultimately conflict in your life? Just think for a moment. Now, I know what I want James to say. I want James to say, the conflict in my life comes because of the hard people. Conflict comes because my husband doesn't listen. Because my coworkers are impatient. Because conflict comes because the people hurt me. That's what I want him to say. Anyone with me? Now, now, Kels, we can go there. He says, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? So right away, James flips, and this, this is why today's a stretch, because we're going to flip a lot of where our heart wants to go. James says that conflict comes from the desires that battle within me. Now, for some of us, like, wait, well, hold on one second. This seems kind of harsh. 
because some of us in this room, like, have you guys ever felt like you've just been doing nothing and someone hurts you? Like, I was just like, they hurt me. What, what do you mean me? Now, I want you to understand something. I'm, I'm not talking about offense to be offended um, and oftentimes the pain that comes from that. I'm not talking about that. Because to be honest, like, and, and, and sometimes, not always, but sometimes like you, we literally do nothing. And people just hurt us. And it's like, oh my gosh. That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about conflict. This is important. Conflict always takes two to tango, right? Conflict always takes two. If it's one person, that's usually just offense. And maybe next week we'll talk about offense. We'll see. But conflict always involves two people. And so what James is saying, he's saying whenever there is conflict, it is because there is something battling within us. So in other words, what James is doing is he's putting the blame on me. I think there's an old song that goes that way. Um, so today, let's maybe put the blame on me. Anyways, um, three ways. Some of you guys are too young for that one. Uh, three ways to get better at conflict. That's what we're talking about. Here's number one. Number one is this. Take an insane amount of responsibility. How do I get better? Take an insane amount of responsibility. Listen to this. You're not going to like this, but lean in. If there is conflict in my life, say it to yourselves. Yeah, you can say it out loud too. Come on, somebody. I'm more meant in our spirit. That was a long sentence to get you guys to say. Um, I am playing a role. If there's conflict, I am playing a role. If I was feeling harsher this morning, I would say it like this. I'm to blame. Now, this sounds kind of harsh, but here's why it's good news. Here's why it is great news. If I play a role in conflict, that means there's something that I can do about it. You see, for a lot of us, when it comes to conflict, we immediately become the victim. And I want us to understand, if we are the victim, then there's nothing that we can do about it. Our healing... Our resolution, it is totally and 100% in the other person's hands. However, in conflict, if I begin to take an insane amount of responsibility, that means that I can actually do something to help alleviate conflict and ultimately to help myself heal. Now, here's the bad news. That's the good news. The good news, I can do something. Here's the bad news. <laughs> My heart doesn't want to. My heart often says the opposite thing. So I, I want to do a mental exercise right now. And, and I want us to be completely honest with ourselves as we do this. So um, you don't got to raise your hand. Uh, if you're currently in conflict, there's a conflict in your life between someone, uh, marriage, work, church, whatever. Just, just think about it. Okay, you guys there? So I have a sentence, and I want us to fill in the blank in our heads. So, here it is. Um, I am currently in conflict because blank. Because of blank. Now, in your head, where's the first place you go? For a lot of us, the first place that we go is something like this. I'm in conflict because they right? I'm in conflict because he. 
I'm in conflict because she. Because they hurt me. Because they didn't treat me well. Because they betrayed me. They let me down. So point one is we take insane responsibility. Here's one of the ways that we do it. Whenever these thoughts begin to stir in our head, we need to switch it from they to I. I'm currently in conflict because I. We'll talk about the rest in the moment, but I want to understand this. We can't control what people do. None of us in this room, as much as we would like, we cannot control other people. I can't control how they hurt me, how they treat me, what they do to me, but I am always in control of my response. We're in conflict because I. Now, in order to fill in the next part, because I what, we need to understand our triggers. One thing I like to do um, is I like to make fun of a culture right now that is constantly triggered. Like everyone's triggered by everything, and I, I kind of I find it quite funny. Um, but what I also realize is that every single one of us has triggers. There, there are things that, like, for, for a normal person, wouldn't affect them. But for us, like, you know, us psychos, when the trigger hits, all of a sudden we're in offense, right? Um, all of us have a trigger. Uh, we need to figure out what it is. Um, and I believe that every trigger has one commonality. James 4, again, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? He says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. So what, what's going on? What's going on inside of me in the midst of conflicts, in the midst of fights? James puts it super simple. He says, you desire, meaning you want something, but you don't have it, so you kill. Metaphorically speaking, hopefully. If you're here on parole, hello. Uh, you covet. Covet, again, is to want to desire. You want something, but you can't get it. So you quarrel and fight. So I'm, I'm going to make conflict super simple, and I'm going to help us understand what our triggers are. Our triggers are conflict. It is always rooted in not getting what we want. Now, that seems kind of elementary. Some of you guys are like, Harrison, I get it. You have four kids under four. Don't treat me like one of them. <laughs> but I just believe this to be true. All conflicts have one thing in common. Someone didn't get what they wanted. Now, now if that seems too harsh, this is also true. Sometimes we didn't get what we deserved. I believe every single person in this room, every person listening, deserves to be treated with dignity as a human being. And sometimes we don't get that. But at the end of the day, whether it's I didn't get what I deserved or I didn't get what I wanted, one of the ways that we become better at conflict is simply by understanding I am not getting what I want. I'll try to explain it um, in illustration, and I'm going to take this deeper as we go along. Uh, on Thursday, uh, I had the privilege uh, of speaking to some young adults uh, over at North Point Church, which is just down the road there, and uh, as I was getting ready to speak, it was in the nighttime, 7 o'clock, which, like, you know, it's pretty much our bedtime by then, but, uh, you know, minister of the gospel, I got to do what I got to do. Uh, 
I was getting ready to go speak to the young adults. Now, if you want to understand how to speak to young adults, it's pretty simple. Uh, you got to dress well. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Other than that, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm joking. Sort of. And so uh, I'm getting dressed, just, you know, wearing pants. I wasn't quite in the praise outfit. Save this for today. Come on, somebody. Uh, just pants, and then I put on a sweater that I hadn't worn for a long time. And so I went to Christy, my confidant, my spouse, my other half, um, and I wanted some feedback because I was kind of unsure. Like, is this, is this, have I not worn this sweater because it's time for retirement? Um, or have I, is, is it a gem? Like, I put it on, hoping for some feedback. You ever been there? And I said, pretty simply, Chris, what do you think? What do you think about this outfit? <laughs> um, like I can't laugh because I need to do an impersonation of her face. Um, she went like this, just looked at me, and she went. And I said, so you like it? You don't like it? What does that mean? And she goes, <laughs> and I'm like, the Lord has given you a mouth, woman. <laughs> Speak. And uh, immediately, I began to get agitated. And the reason I got agitated, so come back. We're talking about how do we, how do, we do conflict. What does the flesh want to do in that moment? The reason I'm angry is because... They didn't give me feedback. That's why we're in conflict. If, if my wife, if she would have just known, I, I wanted to know what I, blah, blah, blah. that's how, and, and, then, and then suddenly, like, that's where World War III starts. Now, thankfully, we didn't get there. Uh, but that's where it's like, well, you never, you guys been there? That's where, that's where that, that word comes out after. You never give me what I want. You never tell me what I look like. I'm always out here alone, like, do, do sweat, are sweats okay, Christy? I don't know. <laughs> but they say praise, so send it to the complaint box. But um, what we need to do, come on, somebody, we need to begin to learn to take an insane amount of responsibility. And the truth is, in that moment, it was just me. I didn't get what I wanted. And so... And I don't even, I don't fully, I'm not going to try to tell the rest of the story because I'll probably butcher it and curse you, but that didn't happen. Um, but the reality is what, what I should have done is pretty simple. When she's making all those faces, just say this. Hey, Christy, uh, I need just feedback. Just does this look good or not? Because I don't know, right? So what happens is this. Conflict escalates where blame spreads or where blame begins, and what happens when we don't get what we want, whatever it is, we immediately take offense. Often conflict starts simply because we defer responsibility. Now, let's say, for example, that I defer. And I said, Christy, you never do this. The cool part of conflict is this. She, in that moment, would have the opportunity also to squash it. And she could then begin to take insane amount of responsibility. So it's really cool because, like, you're never really uh, dependent on the other person. So, so it goes both ways. Now, for some of us, like Harrison, uh, okay, I get it, but like that seems kind of elementary, right? And, and to be honest, why it didn't actually go to conflict, it didn't, um, 
was because I actually knew what I wanted. I just wanted her to say, do you like it or not? Now, where conflict really starts is when we don't know what we want. That's when it escalates. That's when things get a little bit crazy. So in order to take insane responsibility, super simple, I always need to know what I want. I need to know what I actually want. Now, the whole purpose of this message is I believe a lot of us don't know what we actually want. So let's go a little bit deeper, um, especially if the things we want aren't on the surface. So uh, again, James says you desire, but you don't have, so you kill, you covet, uh, so you quarrel and fight. Then he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And some of us are like, hold on, I've been praying. Like, God, restore, make better, fix them. But verse 3, this is why God isn't answering your prayers. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. So, so, so here's the point. The reason we get stuck in conflict is most of us don't know what our issue actually is. We know. Like, most of us are self-aware enough to be like, okay, yeah, I, I didn't get something. I didn't get what I wanted. But the truth is, and why so many of us don't get healed, even when we're praying for healing, is because we're asking God just to heal the surface when there's something deeper within. So... Three ways to get better at conflict. Number one, take insane responsibility. Here's number two. We need to learn to dig deeper. We have to dig deeper. Now, what I said off the top was this. I said conflict can actually be a gift. It can glorify God. Conflict can actually have positive outcomes in our lives. Here is one of the reasons that I believe conflict can be helpful. Many times, conflict is a roadmap to help us understand the deepest hurts in our lives. Did you guys get that? Many times, conflict is actually a roadmap that helps me understand the deepest hurts in our life. Again, a lot of us, we stay on the surface. What's the conflict about? Well, they hurt my feelings. They weren't nice. And that's true, but, but what if God wanted to take us a step deeper? What if there was something deeper every single time? Because for a lot of us, especially in friendships, especially in relationships, it's cyclical, meaning it's the same things over and over again that keep hurting us. Man, no matter where I go, no one's loyal. I don't, I don't know what it is. There's no, look, loyalty doesn't exist. I'd wager to guess loyalty might not be the issue as much as you have deep trust issues that just manifest themselves as everyone always So, here's a little saying that I think can help us go deeper. Now, it involves a level of self-awareness, but one of the beauties of community um, is I think that we can actually help do this together uh, when we see it. Um, this comes from Lisa Turkost, and I heard it a number of years ago, and I've shared it before. Um, but uh, in conflict, in life, if all of a sudden you feel it in yourself, or in the realm of community, maybe you see it, when it's a brother or sister that you love, where they're like reacting in a way that does not match up with the situation. Like my friends all hate me, what happened? Well, there was a group text and no one responded to my text. Only one person put a heart emoji. Like I think I, I'm not welcome in this group. So 
What do we do when, when, when the response doesn't match the situation? Here's the saying. It's simply this. If I'm hysterical, it's historical. I love this one. It was so helpful in my life. If I am hysterical, it's historical. What does that mean? If I go 0 to 100, I'm not actually responding to the situation at present. Something from the past, a deeper lie, a deeper hurt, a deeper wound has been twinged. Now, this message connects so much to last week because, you know, I'm literally reading through James the last two weeks. Because this is where bitterness comes from and why I finished last week by saying forgiveness is the pathway to freedom. Because we have deep wounds, we have deep hurts, we have deep scars. And when we don't forgive deep wounds, deep hurts, deep scars, you want to know what happens? You begin to live with deep lies. Always. Deep wounds build deep lies. And here is why I believe so many believers don't experience healing. It's because we only ask God to heal the hysteria, and we never ask him to reveal the history. So we say things like, God, I just want to be more patient. God, help me, help me not to snap at my husband. Help me not to snap at my boss, my wife. Help me, help, help me to just stop. Fill in the blank. And what we're asking God to do is heal the hysteria. And I want you to understand something. God doesn't want to heal the hysteria, but keep you with the history. Because if I live with those deep-seated lies, I'm never going to experience healing. And here's what I know. I think I have a point for it. I'm not sure. But much of our present conflict is rooted in past pain. Do I have it? I do. Much of our present conflict is rooted in past pain. Most of us in this room, we have a defining moment in our lives. Some of us, maybe we got a few defining moments in our life where we were let down, where we were hurt, or something, like ultimately we didn't get what we want. Come on, somebody, that's the root. Our spouse left us. There, there was a death. Our parents, whatever it is. And what happens is a lot of times these incidences leave us with a forming lie. So for the person that was betrayed, a lot of times the lie that they believe is like, man, I'm just, I'm not enough. And they, they never know that that is a lie they carry around, but it's deep within them. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And so the situation might be 20, 30 years in the past, but it pops up in the present. Because someone says something, and many times they don't even mean it. But what they don't realize is they have hit your deepest hurt, your deepest insecurity, and suddenly, I'm hysterical. One of the things I was thinking about this week, because again, there's, there's, there's lies that you know, we believe, and um, I was just thinking about for myself. Um, I have, uh, I think, I don't know how I would classify the lie, um, but this idea that like, people are gonna leave would be, would be a good way to say it. People are just going to leave. And I, I remember when, when we started uh, the church, uh, early days of the church, um, like normal people, 
people weren't in church for 52 weekends a year. Uh, and, you know, some people would go on vacation uh, or whatever. And I remember, like, when we first started the church, people would be like, yeah, we're just, you know, we're in Jasper this weekend or just living our normal lives. Um, and I, I would just feel agitated and angry. Like, how could they, how could they not come to church? Um, and what I, what I didn't realize is I was hysterical, but that was just historical. There was deep lies. Is, is everyone following? That I was believing in the past. People are going to leave. And there's more. People don't care that, that form you in the present. And the truth is this. A lot, if I hit it on the surface, well, I need better people. I need better leaders. I need the ones that are coming 52 weeks a year. Even for church online Sunday, I need them to be in the building. So our job is simply this. We need to figure out what the lie is. Because if we never figure out what is that deep, what is that forming lie that we are bringing into our relationships, that we are bringing into conflicts, then at every single turn, you will be hysterical. And if you were here last week, this should really feel like I'm just continuing. Because this is bitterness to a T, right? Bitter bones are brittle bones. So... In this moment, it's like, well, how do, we, how do we get there? We're taking same responsibility. We dig deeper. But how do I know what that lie is? James continues. Um, he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So in other words, when it comes to conflict, James is telling the believers, listen, we don't do this like other people. Because a lot of us, like, we take our cues on conflict not from the word but from culture. And culture says, listen, if people hurt you, like, you don't need toxic friendships. You don't need toxic people. They're just gaslighting you. James says, listen, we don't do things like they do them. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we are so committed to reconciliation. We are so committed to taking things that are broken and trying to put them back together. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. And so we want to do the same thing. So you need to understand, if you want to know the history, I need to know what are these forming lies that I'm believing. Step one, I can't do things the way everyone else is doing them. When people avoid conflict, when people avoid pain, when I'm hysterical and I just go do that thing that I do to numb the pain, whether it's to bash people or whether it's to drink or whether it's to eat, whatever it is that is keeping you from going a little bit deeper, we don't do that. Why? Because Jesus wants us to be healed. That's his heart. So he says in verse 5, he says, do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Kim, you're on keys today? You don't need to sit down. I love you, Kim. I don't want you to, because she got, she got twins, so. I don't want her. Come on, you can give Kim a round of applause. She was going to sit down. I'm like, you don't make a pregnant girl sit down and stand up too many times. I've been there. Not personally. <laughs> Bring the verse back up. I got, a, I got us back in the spirit here. He says, do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? 
This is so huge. We don't do conflict like everyone else. The world says, cut off, avoid, whatever it is. As believers, we dig deeper. We take insane responsibility. But get this, we also believe that there is a God who desperately longs for us to be reconciled. Here's what's cool. You don't like conflict? Guess what? God doesn't want you to be in conflict more than you don't want to be in conflict. That's his heart, is to make all things, make all things better. Jesus longs, he longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. So, so here's the last point I want to say. How do we do conflict better? We take insane responsibility. We dig deeper. Last one is this, partner with God. Because the first two without the last is just me in the flesh. It's human effort. It's me trying my best to take responsibilities. Okay, I know the steps Harrison gave me. Okay, this is historical. Let's go back to the playground, to my childhood, wherever it was. But this last one takes this from, from, from work in the flesh to holy work in the spirit. The spirit desperately longs to dwell in us. So here's the thing. One thing I've found is that it's not always moments, but sometimes it's in stories or it's in community as other people share their story. And it's like, oh yeah, I got a story like that. Well, I have a lie, I believe. And I just believe the Holy Spirit in this moment wants to reveal inside of us the lie that we believe, that we are taking to every single conflict. Some of us in this room, the lie that we believe is I'm unlovable. No one could ever love me. Why do you feel that way? Well, my parents left or my spouse cheated or I grew up and I, I just really didn't have friends. I'm just not lovable. Listen, it's a lie from the enemy. Hear me as I say that. For, for some of us in this place, you believe this deep-seated lie that says my worth is rooted in my work, meaning that which I produce gives me value. And maybe the reason you got that lie is because you come from this family, it's like, well, we're hard workers. Us Johnson men, we work crazy hours. That's just what we do. And we begin to believe this deep-seated lie that my worth is rooted in my work. But here's the issue. Whenever my work doesn't seem up to par, I have no worth. And so I'm crushed when it comes to feedback. I'm crushed when it comes to critique. But the Spirit desperately longs to dwell in you. And He wants you to know that your value is not rooted in your work, but in His work. And He did the ultimate work. Come on, somebody. He did the finishing work. He did that which we could not do. He made us right with God on the cross when He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. How cool is that? So I don't have to believe with these lies any longer, but I need to partner with God. I'm just, I'm just, I'm believing and I'm praying. Holy Spirit, come on, let's stand for a second, church. Holy Spirit, begin to identify and bring out these, these things within us, these lies that we are believing. We lay them bare before you. We give them to you. 
I want, I want to do something right now just, just kind of symbolic. If you know what your lie is, if it just feels like the Holy Spirit's made it clear. If not, come on, let's, let's get into community this week. Let's get into the word this week and just pray, God, what, what's the lie I believe? But if you know what the lie is, right now in this place, I want us to detach. The reason that lie comes into all of our relationships is because we've come into agreement with it. We think it's true. We think it's who we are. So in this moment, every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's a lie that you want to let go of, if you want to release right now, just raise your hand. In a posture of surrender, hands open wide. We speak to that lie. We say, you are no longer welcome here. Wherever it came from, the pain that it brought, you're no longer welcome here. I pray over all of us today, we are not who we think we are. We are who God says we are. So Holy Spirit, there's a work that needs to be done in our hearts to do conflict better. May we know that which we actually want. So we're just praying for freedom this week. We're praying for freedom to do conflict better, to take responsibility, to go a little bit deeper. You're so good. We just believe, we just affirm that you long for us to be healed. You long for your spirit to dwell in us. So thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for the Lord? Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.